Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Reconsider, part of the Agora Podcast Network where we don't do the thinking for you. Today, I'm going to be talking about how does America escape from the path that it's on, the path towards the Rubicon. And this talk, or this episode, is actually the audio track from my talk at Intelligent Speech 2021, which some of you attended, I bet many of you missed, just because I know how many listeners we have and how many people attended the talk. And so I wanted to make sure that we were able to share it with all of you. So what we discuss in this is, you know, we follow the theme of Intelligent Speech 2021, Escape, and what we talk about is, you know, we already know that the United States is on this dangerous path, and what are, you know, after all of my years and years of research on this, what is a actual credible, viable path out? And this audio is meant to go with some slides, although I'm a very just like kind of high-level visual guy with the slides, so I listened to it and decided we wouldn't be missing too much by not having them. So I thought that everyone would manage to enjoy it anyway. But of course, I am attaching the slides to the show notes at reconsidermedia.com. Additionally, once I am able to get the full YouTube unlocked, I will be linking the full YouTube video of it so that anyone who wants to view it can view it. Before we get started, I just want to give a huge shout out to Chance, Nick, and Oleg, who have decided to become huge patrons and big-time supporters of the show. We are super close to our goal, which is really exciting. Um, I didn't think it would happen this quickly. So I'm really, really grateful for everyone's support. If anyone wants to hop on and join the join this like big love bandwagon, it's patreon.com slash reconsider. Thank you again to Oleg, Nick, and Chance. Your support means the world. And now, on to the show. of this intelligent speech is escape. And so, of course, it's 2021. I have a great opportunity as a political scientist to talk about escaping this like seemingly inexorable, inevitable, horrible march towards civil war that the United States seems to be in. And so I want to talk first about like a little bit about what's the nature of the problem that we're facing. And it's, of course, like extremism um, in some ways, but it's a little more complicated than that, right? So you know, this is Chaz. Welcome to Chaz. Like, what is it? It's a violent insurrection in part of Seattle, where a bunch of people decided that they were going to throw off the yoke of American law and law enforcement. Um, you know, this used to say police, it now says people. You know, so it's of a left-wing uh, flavor, 
this insurrection in Seattle. And, you know, and they took over like, you know, six blocks or something like that. And, you know, what they say, amnesty for all looters and rioters. So they were advocating for lawlessness, right? They were saying like, hey, there's certain forms of property destruction and, and violence that, uh, you know, and abolish the police. So I don't even, I still don't know what happens after we abolish the police, but, you know, but this, this was like a pretty scary time. And if you're of the right wing persuasion, like this is your nightmare state, right? Like people deciding that they're going to like establish kind of a commune and that like law doesn't, doesn't apply anymore. And that, you know, who knows what they're going to do. But of course, Chaz burned itself out because, because it was always going to burn itself out. And then, of course, there was a different insurrection that happened a little bit later, about seven months later, in which a bunch of right-wingers stormed the Capitol. Um, You know, we all know how that went. And clashed with police and tried to, like, you know, hunt down Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. And, you know, one of them got shot as they were trying to, like, break in and they killed a cop. And, like, this was effed up. And and for anyone that's like, oh, you're both sizing it, Eric. It's like, no, 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 I'm not both sizing it. Like, both both of these are bad things. Right. And I think like part of the problem, like I want everyone to take a second to like search their hearts for like, did you sense any defensiveness about one of these? Right. Did you sense like, wait, 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 Eric, like you can't compare these two things together. Like the one that is my tribe was like actually noble and good. Like, you know, let's think about Hong Kong for a sec, but like the Hong Kong people there with their umbrellas and like, you know, cap tear gas and like fighting the power, right? Like fighting the, like the, the communist Chinese, like truly an abhorrent government. And we're all, you know, Americans are all rooting for them. And so like you have, you have people trying to resist the law. They're like throwing, throwing bricks at the police stations and essentially trying to stop the Chinese government from enforcing its law in Hong Kong. They're committing insurrection, right? And we thought it was cool. Um, we were like rooting for them and they got crushed, of course, but, um, you know, but they like, they felt like us against the bad guys. And of course, like some of us look at Chaz and they're like, ah, yes, this is good. This is like the people rising up against like the cops and the cops are the bad guys and the people are the good guys. And some of us look at Chaz and we go, oh man, this is like, this is a bunch of like crazy left winger anarchists. And like, this was their plan the whole time. They, you know, they, they want rioting. They want looting, right? They want these people to like run around and like steal stuff and burn things down. They're actually in favor of it. This is terrifying, right? And this is what left-wingers all want the whole time. The veil has finally come off. This is what the left-wing wants. And then of course, some people look at this and they go, they go, you know, they think that the election was stolen. It wasn't, but they think the election was stolen. And so you have this, this system that is that has committed a coup. There's been a coup. It's like, you know, they feel like Putin has been put in power against like whoever the guy is that was like the one that people really want. And so they're like, you know, they're rising up in a great American rebellious tradition and like fighting the power, right? And trying to make right what was wrong. And then you have, of course, have people that look at this and go like, you know, I, I'm more of the latter persuasion. I'm like, holy smokes, like this, this is terrible. This is real bad. Right. Like we can't have people running in, like trying to trying to like do a people's arrest of Congress people and hang Mike Pence for, you know, not helping like Donald Trump stay in power when he lost an election. Like that's bad, you know, and and ultimately, like it kind of doesn't matter, like who's worse. What matters is that we're hypocrites about it. This is actually our bigger problem is that we're not as Americans, we're not doing a good job right now of being against extremism. 
we're supporting we're like advocating for extremism when it's our folks because like it's good you know like because like the system doesn't work when it's our side you know like black lives matter stuff like the system doesn't work we can't trust the police we can't trust the court system so what do we have to do we have to put power in the people's hands they have to burn things down right and they have to keep burning things down until you know and now not everyone who's pro the black lives matter is pro rioting and looting but there are some who are in fact pro rioting and looting and and you know and and uh what is it the riot is the language of the unheard and you know, we have to support these folks until the system is just. And then you have, of course, people on the right that, sorry, and they're they're great with that. But when like the right wing, you know, when they agitate, when they do something like the the Bundys, you know, taking over some like bird watching station in a national forest, right? They're terrorists. Now they have guns, but they're terrorists. The Bundys were, were y'all Qaeda. Um, and then, of course, the right wing, just the opposite hypocrisy that like, you know, that like people who are like sick of cops murdering black people when they like, you know, when they get feisty about it and like some stuff catches fire, it's like these people are terrorists, they're communists, they're anarchists, and like, you know, their grievances are illegitimate. Our grievances are legitimate, and of us taking over the capital is the necessary thing in order to defend like the true democratic process against this, you know. Um, and unfortunately it's it's based on a lie. But if you believe the lie, well, you know, if you actually believe that the election was stolen and that like there was a coup and the wrong person is president. Like what is like, what's verboten anymore. And so, so our problem is our problem is that we're not like Americans aren't anti-extremism. We're anti the other side. And of course we kind of knew that already, but like, we're very uncomfortable with it. Um, and when we get on social media, we do a great job of like defending our side and attacking the other side. And of course, look, hopefully a lot of you here have like already read wedge, which I wrote. But like the big part of the big idea is like nobody's listening to you. Like if you're if you're like loudly attacking the left wing or the right wing and defending your side, like nobody outside your little tribe is even listening to you. You're just talking to yourselves. And I, I don't want to repeat all this stuff that we've talked about on on reconsider on wedged, but this like downward spiral that's going on of like shrinking into these like deeper and deeper entrenched war fighting camps is going to continue. Right, it's going to continue on its own. So I want to talk about like why am I the person to talk about how we can escape this? Well, part of it is that like I've been taught thinking about this for like eight years now. Um, we wrote Wedge. Wedge was published back in 2014, so like long before political polarization and extremism was cool. This is like during the Obama years when I think a lot of people thought like, oh, this is like this is like a small problem and. You know, it's just like kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a couple of Republicans being a bit crazy when, of course, like the problem since we've written Wedge has just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown in exactly the way that we predicted it would, which is, you know, which is cool. But it's one of these places where I wish I was wrong. Like I, I didn't wish I was right. And I think the reason we had this insight was part because, like, you know, I studied this at, at MIT. I got my bachelor's and master's in political science. And, like, it became an obsession of mine since the mid-2000s to, like, understand this better. Uh, people who've seen other talks know about, like, my background. I grew up in a conservative area. And then I moved to a liberal area. And I started to understand, like, just how much people caricaturize each other in ways that are deeply inaccurate. But, but like, the ultimate problem that we're dealing with right now is that there's a warfighter mentality, right? And what's interesting is if you start to look at the rhetoric over time, um, and the things that get people elected, it is more and more about defeating the tribe or the political party with the wrong color than it is about accomplishing something in particular, not exclusively, but in part and in larger and larger and larger part. Ultimately, I think it's still like it's going to be a mystery for a long time, like why Republicans and conservatives abandoned so many of their values for Trump. You know, so many things that were conventionally important to them for Trump. But like, I think Trump was better than anyone at just like dunking on Democrats. 
constantly. And this like this hatred for Democrats that had been fostering, the Republicans found someone who expressed that better than anyone else and made him president because there is this like there is this like among the Republicans who tend to vote in primaries, which again, if you've read Wedge, like those are the most extreme versions of them. So the people who end up selecting who their their candidate's going to be, because most people don't vote in primaries still, those folks are like genuinely terrified of Democrats. They think Democrats want to turn us into like a, a communist nightmare state where like everyone's forced to be transgender or something. And Democrats, same way, right? They're terrified of Republicans. And in fact, like Democrats are even more terrified of Republicans than Republicans are of, of Democrats when we when we do polling. Democrats just like a little a bit ahead in the fear column. And like probably right now it's justified. Like there are more armed right-wing militias than there are left-wing militias. Although if you count the rioting and looting that happened over the last year, like left-wing agitators have done more damage so far, but like right-wing militias seem like, like have the potential to do like a lot of damage. So, so basically like what our politics has devolved into is like, who is better at getting more of the electorate to show up out of fear of the other side. And like both sides have gotten really good at it. It's why we had this massive, massive turnout in the 2020 election when like Joe Biden and Donald Trump aren't all that, neither of them were all that popular. You know, Donald Trump's approval rating was never all that high. Now, the few people who liked him really, really liked him, again, because, like, they painted him as this, like, defender of American values against, like, the onslaught from the Democrats. And the Democrats voted for Joe Biden, even though, like, a lot of them, like, would much have preferred Bernie Sanders. This is something that Democrats didn't do in 2016 because they weren't afraid enough. But now they're afraid enough of a second term of Donald Trump that they all close ranks and they showed up in force to vote Donald Trump out. And they're like, okay, uh, who do we pick from the nomination? I don't know. I don't care. But he's not Donald Trump. Let's go vote Donald Trump out. And that is going to continue to be the state of our politics going forward. And so a lot of people like recognize this as a problem. And like some people even want to solve it. And so like one way people want to solve it is like big kumbaya stuff, right? People keep trying to pull me into their, their latest kumbaya thing. And I keep resisting it because I think it's a complete waste of time because it's not going to happen because it's not addressing any root causes. You know, it's one of those things like, like right now, I think a lot of people like, ah, yes, like, I do want peace and harmony in society. So like, if only the other side weren't so horrible, like it would be fine, right? If only like everyone agreed with me, it would be fine. And like, I'm sure people even being rankled by me saying that because, because there are people like even listening to this talk, they're like, but it is the other side, Eric. And, and of course, like, so there's people who are like, oh, it really is the other side. It's like one of the solutions they propose is like, we just need to crush the extreme versions of our opposition and then it will be okay. And like, and do it with violence. Let's just like be open about the fact that like, we're going to decide who the Nazis are or who the communists are or who the, you know, the anarchists are. And we're just going to run around and punch them and intimidate group that we've decided is beyond the pale into oblivion and hope that works out. If you've listened to any of our historical episodes about Weimar Republic or about the Roman Republic and how those both fell, they fell from people running around punching each other. So this will definitely not work. It will definitely end. It will 100% guaranteed end in a Caesar or a Hitler taking over. Let's not do that. And then other people are like waiting for a hero, right? They're waiting for like the next JFK, the next great uniter to come along. But of course, the next great uniter is not going to come along because of how we vote. Because like the primary system is going to select more people like Donald Trump and it becomes harder and harder to select like a great uniter because that great uniter doesn't speak to the like hardened partisans in a given party that vote in those primaries. So like we're not going to get another JFK. 
And like part of the other problem is that I like I get involved in some like party politics every now and then, not involved, involved, but like kind of like as an advisor. And the parties are actually like having trouble recruiting charismatic young people to even like join the party anymore that aren't crazy. Right. You've got charismatic young people that are crazy, like Marjorie Taylor Green or whatever her name is, like Jewish space laser lady. Like she's she's nuts. And and you can get her, but you can't get a JFK because people like JFK, like JFK, if Derek if were alive today, JFK would be like, F politics, I'm going to Silicon Valley and get to start a startup because this is nuts. Because like I can't make progress and it's just going to be miserable. And so we can't just wait for a hero to come save us. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right now, what we, like, what we are experiencing is this sort of cold war. And like one of the things we know from the cold war is that it's a great uniter. And so like the structural cause behind what's going on here is a very sort of, I guess, heightened is the word. We have a very heightened in-group out-group theory problem going on. So we talk about this in political science a lot. In-group out-group theory is, it probably comes from our evolutionary days. Like my group good, your group bad, because it's different. There's even an experiment done in like the seventies with like a classroom where a teacher just like arbitrarily broke up students into like more like brown eyed and more like blue green eyed groups. And like, they started, they started going at it, right. Arbitrarily broken up, but they started coming up with why like people with brown eyes were bad or people with green eyes were bad. So like, as soon as you create a division between people and like find a way to divide them or to like to define yourselves as different from someone else like you're going to start hating that other group it's just part of your nature and you just need to be ready to deal with this fact and but the but the thing about this in-group outgroup theory is that it unites the in-group right so like one of the reasons the cold war analogy is so interesting is that during the cold war like americans were quite united it was like the age of consensus Right. And like if you've read Wedge or, or done any of other talks, like you see these, you can even see maps. I don't have it in this, but you see maps of Republicans and Democrats like voting together in Congress, God forbid, constantly. Why? Because we were united. Why are we united? Because we just got done with the Second World War and we just started the Cold War where the United States is like the American way is the thing. Superman was our Superman was our our hero, right? Our representative, truth, justice, and the American way was Superman's thing, right? Crazy to think of now, but we had this unified identity of like, yeah, we have a lot of disagreements, right? Like this was, I mean, this was like 
there was like Vietnam and there was the civil rights movement. And there were a lot of like violent protests and people getting shot by police. But we still had this idea that we're all Americans because by God, we're not, we're not Soviets, right? We're not communists. And so that binded us together, having that out group, having that villain. It's one of the reasons I like, I like Watchmen as a comic book so much that like, I, you know, I'm going to spoil it. So like cover your ears if you want to read it soon. But the thing Ozymandias is such a genius about is like the thing that's going to unite the world and keep it from nuking itself is having an external enemy, right? So like in the comic book, it's an alien. In the movie, I think more cleverly, it's Dr. Manhattan. They create a fear of an outsider and that creates unity. So this is going on in the US right now. Fear of the outsider, fear of the other party is creating unity where in the Cold War, it was fear of an outside, outside, outsider rather than an inside outsider that created you. It's fear of these guys. And for good reason. Um, and so one potential solution is let's have another external enemy, which we've like kind of tried to do, but we're not good at. So like we've tried to kind of make it China. Like actually one thing Americans agree on is that like China's awful. It's one of like the few things we can agree on. So like they could become that, but like Cold Wars are bad. So let's, let's try to avoid that. So what can we do? We have to go after structural change because there is a structural cause of our extremism. And now you might be thinking like, well, Eric, there's always been a group outgroup theory. We've always been tribal animals. So like what made it worse? Short version is like technology has made it worse and techniques have made it worse. So they just amplified it. So we actually like, we can't put the genie back in the bottle, like the social media genie back in the bottle. So we have to do something else. And the short version is what we need is more options. And the reason is, if you have like seven legit options, like the red party or like the purple party can't win on just trying to dunk on the other six parties and talk about why the other six parties are bad. It's just too much energy. You actually have to talk about why the seventh party is good or why the purple party is good or why the orange party is good. And But we can't have that right now in the United States because of Dervergers law. It's a first past the post single in a first past the post, which is what we do. You just like vote for one person in one district. You're going to get two parties to dominate. It's just like, that kind of natural way of things. Now, some people might be wondering like, but in Canada, it's slightly different. And the UK, it's slightly different. We can talk about why there's some slight differences. But in the United States, as long as we keep voting the way that we're voting, we're only going to have two options. And the dominant strategy is going to be dunking on the other party and like making you afraid of the other party in order to turn out the vote. So how do we get past that? I have... In my eight years of working on this, the only thing that seems like it is at all plausible as a path out is ranked choice voting. Because ranked choice voting, I'm going to talk about how ranked choice voting incentive very quickly, how it incentivizes multi-party systems so that we get past this dunking strategy into a, here's why you need to vote for me strategy, right? So you need to change the incentives for politicians to use more vote for me and here's why, as opposed to vote against the other guy and here's why. And the way you have to do that is you have to change how we vote because of Duberger's law. That's the big idea. So real quick, how does ranked choice voting work? Well, what happens is you actually vote for multiple people, one, two, three, four. And so what happens is they count up all the votes and then the person with the least votes, their votes get redistributed. And then the next person with the least votes, their votes get redistributed until you have a winner. And so in the first pass, the post system, orange would have won here with 35% of the vote. That's not much. But it turns out a lot of people really liked purple as their like second choice was their like second favorite candidate, like a good, you know, kind of compromise candidate that like everyone can get along with. So like a lot of, you know, some people, about a third of people really, really like orange, but like most people are good enough with purple that we can just move on. Right. So if you look back at 2016, we saw polling that put like Stein at 4% and Johnson at 10% because like people didn't really like these two a lot. Like most, a lot of Americans didn't like these folks a lot. But like 
Stein actually got less than 1% of the vote and Johnson got, I think, like maybe three, which was like crazy for a third party candidate. But, you know, of course, when people say you're going to waste your vote voting for Johnson, it's true in a first past the post system. You are going to waste your vote voting for Johnson or Stein. So you don't, even though people prefer these folks, you don't. And so that's why third parties will never work. Um, until you change the system. So for example, let's imagine like I'm a never Trump Republican. I can vote for Gary Johnson. He was a Republican in New Mexico. Bill Weld was a Republican in Massachusetts. Let's do this, right? I can vote for them first, but like right now I won't because like, oh, maybe I, I don't like Trump, but like I like Clinton even less. So I'm going to vote for Trump to prevent Clinton because this is a waste of my vote. But if in a ranked choice voting system, I can vote Johnson, then Clinton, then Trump. So if Johnson, or sorry, then Trump, then Clinton. So if Johnson loses, at least I'm not voting for Clinton by mistake or helping Clinton by mistake. And it allows people to vote for these third party candidates such that we can have a big multi-party system. And there's all sorts of like complications that come up from this, especially in the American system about what would have to change if like we had four parties in, you know, like let's say these were the four parties that were like represented in Congress. It would change a lot of stuff, but like we actually have good models that have helped us that can like help guide the way a little bit. And like Ireland is a great one. They have these like multi-party districts, districts with ranked choice voting. And like you never, ever, ever have a majority of just one group. Finnegal uh, and Finnefell, they're the dominant parties, but like, you know, Green, Sinn Féin, Labour, Social Democrats, they all do pretty well sometimes. And they all like end up in government. You have to have these big compromises. And like, generally speaking, the Irish actually really like their system as far as I can tell. So this is like basically their Congress. This is their their Senate. You never have someone that just like owns the whole thing. You've got to put together a coalition that represents like a very large majority of people rather than like, oh, the guy that got like, you know, 45% of the vote now like controls everything. So that's actually the whole presentation. I want to, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to just abruptly end so that we can get to Q and A. So for those of you interested in the actual Q and A, uh, that'll be on the YouTube video. It's a bit chaotic so i didn't just want to turn it into audio here some of the questions are great some of them are uh hey i'm brand new to the whole like reconsider wedge scene so some of this stuff is new to me so those of you who have been listeners for a long time may get less out of the q a those of you who are new may get a lot out of the q a so go to reconsidermedia.com find the show notes for escape which is the name of this episode and you can find the youtube link there as well as the slides so thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to our amazing Patreon supporters. And as always, don't let the pundits do the thinking for you. Pause and reconsider. This is Eric signing off. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 